Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Today on the show, I'll tell you what I want. What I really, really want. So tell me what you want. What you really, really want. I'll tell you what I want. What I really, really want. So tell me what you want. What you really, really want. I wanna. Ha. I wanna. Ha. I wanna. Should I be reading those? Ha. Oh, is the ha me? Is the ha like background vocal? Oh, maybe. (laughs) I'll tell you what I want. What I really, really want. So tell me what you want. What you really, really want. I wanna. Ha. I wanna. Ha. I wanna. Ha. I wanna. Ha. I wanna really, really, really wanna zig a zig ah. We're talking about spice. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Roll the music. Just start. <laughs> Welcome to Gamchabar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name's Abu. And I'm Baby Spice. (laughs) I mean, Leo. (laughs) Tell me what you really want. Let's keep that going. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) Do that song for another 25 minutes. We got to do the rest of the lyrics, obviously. I know. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We're talking about Spice today, folks. Yes. Finally. Finally. It only took us 32 episodes, 31 episodes. (laughs) We got there. Right. Not not counting the book club, not counting the House of Trades series. In reality, it's taken us like nearly 50 episodes. Man. To finally get around to talking about the spice melange like one of the core elements of all of dune yeah yeah and thanks to today colin wilcox yes colin for the uh listener suggestion colin suggested this and we were like oh yeah yeah Oops. let's let's put a pin in that and then a year went by <laughs> right <laughs> and that was in the year 1993 so now uh we're glad to finally get to it now, before we really get into it, yeah. let's take care of some housekeeping as always. Indeed. Today's episode will be spoiler free. Yeah. So if you're a newcomer to the Dune universe, you're just diving into that first book, do not worry, we will not be talking any plot spoilers. That having been said, we might still discuss things that appear in the Dune novel and in subsequent novels, Yeah. but we will be avoiding any context that might result in spoilers. Yeah. So you can rest easy. Today, spoiler free. You can sleep well tonight. (laughs) You can also, if you want to, email us at gomjabarpodcast at gmail.com. That's the place. That's the place. Don't act like you haven't heard it before. You've heard it. You know it. Unless this is your first episode, 
At which point, <laughs> hi, welcome. <laughs> right. Hey there. And follow Colin's shining example. Colin Wilcox sent us an idea. Now we're doing it. That could be you. You could do that. That's right. And we could do what you want us to, maybe. Yes, we love getting your emails, and we can't promise we'll get around to them in the next year or so, but we promise <laughs> we can guarantee. We can. If you have a great idea that we want to do on the show, we will get around to it sometime within the next calendar year, folks. <laughs> that is the Gomjabar guarantee. It's <laughs> <That's> such an <laughs> underwhelming promise. <laughs> Look, under promise, over deliver. That's true. We take that to the extreme That's true. here. <laughs> Email us. We might just shut down the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, when it comes to spice, like why talk about it? Yeah, yeah. It is a little crazy that we've gotten this far <laughs> without talking about it. Right. But it's a good thing to talk about. I mean, it is the most important substance in Dune. And not necessarily talking on a meta level of, of you know, characters and power forces and all that. Just literally in Dune, it is the most important substance and it is the driving force behind so many of the events and the characters and motivations throughout the story. Yes. So it's about time we correct our terrible sin, which is not talking about it. Right. So let's jump right in. Yeah. As you said, Leo, melange, which is more commonly referred to as spice, is the single most valuable resource in the galaxy. Indeed it is. Yeah. It is the thing that drives so many character motivations. It drives so much of the story and so many of the events that take place are because of Melange. Indeed. Because people need to access the spice. Yeah. Duke Leto Atreides actually explains this to Paul very early on in the first book. Yeah. He says to Paul, quote, A handful of spice will buy a home on Tupil. It cannot be manufactured. It must be mined on Arrakis. It is unique, and it has true geriatric properties. End quote. Dang. Insane. Yeah. A handful of spice could buy you a home? Yeah. On Tupil. I mean, for those of you who are new to Dune, Tupil is like the Spacing Guild's witness protection planet. Yeah. It's not an inexpensive place to hang out. Right. This is saying something. This is, you know... A handful of spice will buy a house in the Hamptons or something like that, you know, in the Hollywood <laughs> right. Hills. This is expensive. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Just how the Hamptons is also the witness protection <laughs> neighborhood of New York. Yeah. For rich New Yorkers trying to escape the IRS. Totally. That That is a one-to-one -one comparison. Listen, brilliant strikes where it strikes, right? <laughs> Actually, as a, as a quick side note, and this is... Could be cool for anybody who's maybe an older fan of Dune. From The Road to Dune, we get some cut chapters that Frank Herbert wrote that he cut out of Dune, oftentimes just due to like word count issues. He wrote a scene where characters Dr. Yui and Lady Jessica are talking, and she asks him. The whole scene is basically her finding out more about Spice. She asks him, is Spice really as valuable as people claim? And Yui says, quote, Melange is the costliest spice ever known. It's bringing 620,000 credits the decagram on the open market right now. End quote. Wow. So we don't really know how many, we don't know how much credits are. So this is only a little bit useful. Uh, right. But, you know, assuming this isn't some crazy inflated currency, right? 
620,000 of a currency for 10 grams of a thing. Yeah. That's expensive. That's pricey. That's that's a valuable 10 grams, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. It, it's really making me rethink the amount of bitching I did when I had to buy oregano last week. <laughs> it's, that is also expensive. I didn't pay 620,000 credits for oregano. <laughs> Dr. Yui went on to say, oregano, second costliest spice <laughs> ever. Yeah. Right. 1899? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? It's insane. That's why it's there. It's number two. Yeah. <laughs> now, unlike oregano, the spice <laughs> is prized for its unique properties, just like Duke Leto tells Paul. <laughs> These geriatric properties enable biological and technological advancements in this universe. And almost every single major political faction in the empire relies on spice to varying degrees. And... Let's put a pin in that. We're going to get more into detail all about that a little later on. But just know that it's important to almost everyone. Yeah. I was going to say, considering the age of some Italian grandmothers I've seen, maybe oregano also has geriatric qualities. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. That. Yeah. You're onto something. <laughs> I'm onto something. I'm onto you, Italy. <laughs> No. Spice is such a valuable commodity that it is really, in a lot of ways, the backbone for the galactic economy. We get this, uh, we get this quote about Chome. Quote, But the important thing is to consider all the houses that depend on Chome profits, and think of the enormous proportion of those profits dependent upon a single product. <laughs> Oregano. The spice. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And for how valuable of a substance spice is in the Dune universe, shockingly, it is only produced naturally on a single planet right. in the entire Imperium. Oh, which one? And you know the planet, <laughs> I know the planet, we all know the planet. Caladan. No oh, shit. Uh, come on. <laughs> no, Arrakis. Oh, that, oh, right. God, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the harsh desert planet of Arrakis <laughs> is the only place that you can find spice. The one called Dune? <laughs> <laughs> the one called the Dune. I'm starting to see some significance here. <laughs> it's in the title. It's in the title. And obviously, you can start to see some very strong parallels to oil in the Middle East here. Yeah. Desert planet, valuable substance, the economies of the world run on it, everyone in the world wants it. Right. The parallels here are strong, and we're not the first to draw these lines. This connection to oil in the Middle East has long been discussed ever since the book came out. But we also have to remember that Frank wrote these books during the height of the Cold War, as he saw two world powers, the USSR and America, duke it out in these proxy wars that were fought all around the world in smaller, poorer countries. Right. So understanding the context in which this story is written, it starts to make sense why some of the decisions were made about spice and Arrakis and its ecology. Interesting stuff. Yeah, totally. And... In the Dune universe, you know, obviously, if this is the sort of thing, like oil, that people would literally war over, you'd think, let's find some good alternatives. Well, no one's really been able to do that. Right. No one's really been able to successfully create either artificial melange or substitutes. You know, the, yes. the attempts that have come close are either super, super weak, don't really work, or have unknown side effects, which is... <laughs> Three words you just never want next to each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're like side effects. You're like, okay, which ones? We're not sure. Unknown. 
I am okay. I'm okay without that thing. <laughs> One of the few times that in the grocery store, the organic label, really important for this spice. Exactly. There is nothing in the galaxy like that organic pure shit found on Arrakis, folks. Ugh. You want that real stuff. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. So let's actually talk about Arrakis and the spice. Where does it come from and how is it produced? Right. If Arrakis is the only planet on which spice is found, there's got to be a reason, right? Right. What is it about Arrakis that makes it the only planet in the galaxy where you can naturally find spice? Well, the answer is giant and potentially 400 meters long. <laughs> Sandworms, baby! Critters, yeah. Desert <laughs> thick spicy boys that we have come to love right. on this uh, podcast, yeah. Exactly. Our thick spicy boys, we learn in the first novel, are intrinsically linked to the spice. Right. When Paul and Jessica escape their first encounter with a worm, we get this from Paul's perspective. Right. Quote, what has the worm to do with spice melange? He asked himself. And he remembered Liet Kynes betraying a veiled reference to some association between worm and spice. End quote. Yeah. And thus we get our first hint that the spice and the sandworms are linked to each other. Right. And we learn that the spice is actually a byproduct of a sandworm's life cycle, which explains why it can only be found on Arrakis, because these giant sandworms only exist on the desert planet of Arrakis. Right. No worms, no spice. It's as simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we're going to talk more about that in-depth worm life cycle, right? The desert thick spicy boys. <laughs> we're going to talk about how they become desert spicy thick men, uh, but in another episode. Today, we're going to be focusing just on their byproduct. But, you know, here's a brief overview for now to keep you uh, satisfied. Sandworms, the big hunkin' boys they are, start off in the larva state as sand trout, or, you know, little makers, as Fremen call them throughout the first book. And in this sand trout phase, basically they kind of scurry around the desert through the sand, scavenging traces of water and kind of bringing it back to their nests. This is where the water combines with their poop or their excretions, and that creates a pre-spice mass, which eventually becomes what we know as a spice blow. It's kind of a desert bomb, <laughs> <laughs> which deposits all of that underground pre-spice onto the surface, where then it's exposed to the sun and air and kind of quickly changes into the melange that we know and love. That's right. And that is the link between sandworms and the spice. Right. In the process of their life, as they reproduce, as they grow, the worms end up creating these pre-spice masses that then become spice blows and deposit what later becomes the most valuable substance in the galaxy on the surface of Arrakis, deep, deep in the desert. And that's then where it gets mined and processed. So that explains basically where the spice comes from. Can you imagine the look on someone's face after eating a heavily spiced meal? If you're like, you know, that's made from sand trout poop and water. <laughs> and then it dries out in the sun and now it's in your mouth. Uh, how's the duck? <laughs> <laughs> right. How's the spiced duck? How's the spiced duck? Yeah, that's so funny. Oh. I mean, it could also just be sort of their bodily excretions, which is gross. Maybe not as gross as poop, but yeah. <laughs> Nature is gross, guys. This is why I don't like hikes. 
<laughs> this is that's the one reason sand trout and spice blows are why abu doesn't like hiking like i don't want to be dealing with worm poop every time i'm like hey let's go to prospect park you're like mm, right worried about spice blows <laughs> spice blows and mosquitoes my mortal enemies oh, mosquitoes are terrible that's true the worst <laughs> all right so that is a very quick synopsis of where the spice comes from, where it originates from on the planet Arrakis. Now let's transition into what happens when it is harvested and processed and put into that delicious, delicious spice duck, baby. Mm, Delicious. (laughs) Regarding how it's harvested after that kind of explosion, really, really broadly, because, you know, it gets really technical with different types of harvesters and the history and blah, blah, blah. Just very broadly... It is scraped from the surface of the sand by harvester factories, which sort of purify and isolate the melange. And then from there, it's processed in a factory to create that substance that we kind of know about in the books that might be included in that spice duck or might be included in that spice coffee. Well, that is a very refined version of that I think of it like raw ore that's been processed into ingots, right? Yeah, right. So yeah, from spice blow into a spice harvester factory into, I don't know, jars, (laughs) just little (laughs) little baggies, little plastic sandwich baggies. (laughs) Into cute little mason jars that are really well branded by the company because it's a startup and they really want (laughs) to woo investors and get customers and hit the millennial market. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah. Do we go to the same Bushwick spice dispensary? (laughs) They have the the twine. They have the twine and the little handwritten labels. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Every other purchase is a donation to a a dog in need in Africa. (laughs) The owner has that sleeve tattoo. Yeah. It's cool. (laughs) Right. (laughs) He's got the peg leg and the hook for a hand. uh, He's got a history, you know? Dude, nothing is more hip. Than having a peg for a leg. <laughs> you say a hook hand? <laughs> yes. He's a pirate, is what I'm he's saying. Captain Hook sells spice in Bushwick. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> you got to stay ahead of the times. <laughs> Pirating is out of style. <laughs> Selling bullshit to millennials in New York is the new hot thing. It's just markups. The real theft be markups. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, Jesus. Well. Let's talk about some of its effects, because... Right. Yeah, sure. As Duke Leto told Paul, those geriatric properties are what it is so prized for. It's one of the primary reasons that it is so sought after by so many people in the galaxy. Yeah. So let's go over some of these biological effects that the spice has on your body when you start to consume it. Indeed. So to start off... It's insane what this does to the human system. Yeah. And one of the primary reasons why it's so sought after, you know, it is like oil in the Middle East. And we'll talk more about this as like a, as a traded thing, as a good, but it's also kind of a miracle cure. And Mm. it really does seem like a few of the world's most sought after substances wrapped into one, you know, the first thing is enhanced prescient abilities. So we see multiple examples in Dune of Spice's effect on prescience throughout the different beats of the story. But we get kind of a specific explanation of why it has this effect from the encyclopedia. 
And here's the, uh, here's the quote. Quote, Ingestion of spice stimulates the growth of KK cells so that the individual becomes more aware of his or her time-space environment. End quote. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Also, what is KK cells? Oh, good question. <laughs> Glad you asked. So now I get to try these names. <laughs> KK cells <laughs> stand for Kurleiker uh-huh. and Kramps. Uh, that was brilliant. I took German in high school. Uh, yeah, no, so that might be said a little bit wrong, but Kurleiker Kramps are uh, named after... Oh, and these names are harder. <laughs> <laughs> you like how I threw you under the bus on this one? Probably Alitzi Kulicker. Yeah. And Zymer Kramps. Yep. Probably, yeah. Who are, I guess, doctors who wrote a an article called Unique Cells Present in the Brain Cortex of a Genetic Prescient. <laughs> which was, <laughs> to the point and academic. Love it. Yeah. Featured in the Journal of Interplanetary Medicine, everyone's favorite publication. Mm, I'm a subscriber, long time. Uh, long time subscriber, first time writer. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. KK cells live, as you can maybe expect, in the KK center of the brain. Right. And we'll talk about that a little bit more specifically in just a second. Yes. But first, kind of taking a step back, what does that do? Well, simply put, the KK cells are the part of the brain that deal with time and or space, and that's why they're so linked to these powers of prescience. Right. And we've seen all throughout the book, like you said, Leo, how spice activates these cells within the brain, activates your latent prescient abilities. Right. Just look at what happens in the first book when Paul starts consuming a very heavy spice diet. Yeah. It activates his prescient abilities. Right. And we also know that the Spacing Guild navigators and steersmen use Spice to activate their own limited prescient abilities to pilot those massive highliners safely through space at light speed. That's kind of the core of their business. <laughs> right. That's their guarantee. <laughs> exactly. So Spice is a surefire way to unlock any time-slash-space superpowers you might have. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's worth mentioning, neither of those examples, Paul or the steersman, are accidents. Yes. Paul, literally a byproduct of generations and generations of breeding programs, you know, Benny Gesserit planning. Right. And the steersman, you know, at the start of Dune, the guild has been around for over 10,000 years. They have also been breeding. You know, the average person, the encyclopedia points out, has a very small amount of this KK cell or KK center area in their brain, right? Right. But the steersmen are being bred for this and genetically engineered for this very specifically. Like, doesn't matter what else, nothing else matters. Just as big of KK centers as they can have, right? Yeah. This also, there's one theory that postulates the Atreides, whether it's directly because of this breeding program or just a random mutation, have particularly developed KK centers, mm -hmm. which makes sense. Again, without saying anything about plot, if you look at the six books that Frank wrote, there is something about Atreides and Spice yeah. that seem to go pretty well hand in hand. You know, the Atreides line, maybe they're just built different. Maybe they're just built different. Yeah. Now, to be clear, we have been talking about KK centers and KK cells and yeah. 
Alzihi Kolker and Zymer Kromst. Nice. Um, you said it so much better than me. <laughs> <laughs> to be totally clear, yeah, all of that is fictional, by the way. There is no center of the brain that deals with time and space that's called the KK center. There's no such thing as KK cells. None of that is like real brain stuff. And I know that because I Googled it. <laughs> because I, for a second, was like, what? Why have I never heard of this? <laughs> it's written so convincingly. The encyclopedia it's is It's written like, so convincingly. Wow, this is great. Yeah, definitely sounds like the writers of the encyclopedia called up their neurosurgeon friend. <laughs> oh, totally, yeah. Now, the KK cells might be fictional, mm. but the addiction to spice that results from this enhanced growth of those KK cells in your brain is all too real. Yeah. So this is the second biological effect of consuming spice. And that is a lifelong, deep addiction to the spice. Once you start taking it in regular amounts, you must continue to take it. Yeah. The encyclopedia lays this out very clearly for us. Quote, it is due to the action of the spice on the KK cells that melange is addictive. If quantities in excess of 2 grams daily per 70 kilograms of body weight are ingested, severe addiction is encountered, end quote. So it's like 150 pounds. So for the average person of 150 pounds, 2 grams daily. Yeah. And that's not a whole lot. No. That's, I mean, it still costs... But it's also 120,000 credits worth of <laughs> spice. God. I mean, at that point, you might as well just go hard on oregano. At, right. At a certain point. Just start snorting oregano, man. <laughs> the symptoms for oregano are not that bad. No. Like, spice addiction, if you cut yourself off after you are fully addicted, after you have started taking quantities of more than two grams per day, uh -huh. withdrawal symptoms can be extremely severe. And ultimately... If you don't get back on that spice diet and you're fully addicted, it'll lead to insanity and death, simply put. Right. Oof. So there's your trade-off. The spice is not all good. Yeah. It does come with a healthy dose of addiction if you start to include it in your diet. Yeah. You know, there's another deleted chapter from The Road to Dune, written, again, by Frank Herbert, where I believe it's Thufir and Leto are talking about spice addiction. And I believe it's through fear that brings up that someone on Arrakis basically isolated these kangaroo mice and fed them only spice and noticed that they had the eyes of Ibad, which we'll, we'll talk about in a bit. And when they took the spice away from these mice, the mice died rather than eat food. <laughs> they wow. didn't want to revert to their original diets. And there's this moment from Leto where he goes, well, I'm not a dick. I could stop any time. And the person he's talking to is like, could you? Could you, though? And I'm almost glad that it's not in the book because it makes Spice, which is a huge part of the story, so much more menacing and sad because right. you just think about all of these characters who don't even know it, but they're locked in. Yeah. They don't have a choice. Yeah. It's a, it's a brutal side effect. Yeah. But you know what? That's a bit of a downer. Yeah. So yeah. maybe let's shelve the insanity and death and addiction, <laughs> and let's let's talk about some more of the positive effects of the spice melange. Yeah. Because there's a couple more benefits, folks. Yo, back on the spice train. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Spice stands only. Yeah. Hashtag spice gang. <laughs> <laughs> From the encyclopedia, 
Quote, the addict's predicted lifespan is increased two to four times that of normal, wow. depending on the age at which the spice was first ingested, as well as the dose. End quote. Wow, how do I get four times? Spice. Snorted. Get addicted. <laughs> get super addicted is the answer. Yeah, yeah. get super <laughs> addicted to spice. <laughs> right. But this right here, I would argue, is probably one of the most enticing biological effects of ingesting spice. Yeah. This third effect that we wanted to talk about today, spice will extend your lifespan. Right. And in addition to helping you live longer, the spice also bolsters your immune system by quite a bit. Right. And makes you resistant to most common poisons. Hello. Oh, so it's like ginger. It's like ginger shots from those, uh, those like organic health juice yeah, bars. From our pirate in Bushwick. He gives them to me all the time. <laughs> God, I just love, he did the art of the ginger shot on his peg leg. He got it engraved. <laughs> it's really, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is the part of spice that makes me want to take it the most, right? Not only am I going to live longer. Yeah. But I'm also going to live a healthier life, be immune to most common diseases. Yeah. And you can't poison me. Damn it. What's not to love? <laughs> I, I mean, no, I would never. <laughs> Wait a second. I, Roll back the tape. <laughs> what? No, let's move on. <laughs> Eyes of the Abide. <laughs> yeah, you're, it's a great point. You say, okay, in Dune, you're now going to live to be 200, 200 and change. Great. But... Every other person in Dune is killed by stabbing or poison. <laughs> right. So like, <laughs> Especially if you work in politics or have money. <laughs> oh, for sure. At which point you're also one of the more likely to have access to spice as well. Yeah. You might still get stabbed to death. Like that's still a very real possibility. Right. But uh, poison takes care of that. That's a huge benefit. You can get rid of your poison snoopers. Oh, So cool. Amazing. Okay. Last biological effect we want to touch on. Eyes of the Ibad. You said that earlier. Right. What does it mean? Yeah. From the encyclopedia, quote, One of the most striking results of a diet high in melange is the eyes of Ibad, the characteristic blue-on-blue -blue eye color. The whites and irises of the eyes turn a deep blue. Visual acuity is not reduced by the deposition of the blue pigment. In fact, in the white sunlight of Arrakis, the pigment acts as a blue filter, increasing contrast and enhancing vision, end quote. Hell yeah. That's great. So your eyes turn blue. Yeah. The idea of blue light filter is pretty dope. Yeah. What is that? Like the built-in, what are those gamer glasses? Those gamer glasses, right? <laughs> you don't even need them. You just got them. You can, you can doom scroll on your phone all night. All night. It's not going to fuck with your circadian rhythm. It's right to sleep. Immediately. <laughs> <laughs> One second, Reddit, next second, asleep. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Eyes of Ibad. <laughs> the spice is becoming more and more enticing the more we talk about it. Uh, that's our goal. To <laughs> We're going to launch a spice store at the end of this episode. <laughs> a spice dispensary. Put that fucking pirate out of business. <laughs> so those are some of the biological effects of consuming melange. You get extended life. You tap into your latent prescient abilities. You're immune to poisons and many diseases, and you get those gorgeous blue eyes of the Ibad. Eyes that even someone like Chris fucking Hemsworth uh. would be envious of. Uh. That beautiful blue-eyed best. <laughs> he, he wishes he had blue <laughs> cornea or whatever. 
So let's talk about the role it plays within the organizations of the Imperium. Right. But before we do that, oh, uh, we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> so hang out. When we're back, we're going to talk about the political factions we teased earlier, and we're going to talk about how spice is used. But for now, we've got to go <laughs> plan the storefront for our spice dispensary. So yeah, I have some branding ideas for our mason jars. Oh, let's yeah, yeah let's go talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's let's sidebar a bit. Okay, cool. We'll be back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, welcome back. Let's talk about the Spice's role in the galaxy. We've talked about its production and its biological effects and why it's so highly sought after. Yeah. Now let's talk about some of the groups in the galaxy that are so desperate to get their hands on Spice and some of the reasons why, because there are many right. and they're varied. Spice plays a variety of roles for a number of the factions in the Imperium. Yeah. And to start... Let's talk about Chome and the Landshrad. You know, for effectively the economy of the Imperium, <laughs> spice, as a sort of oil analogy, is really the foundation of wealth for most of the great houses of the Landshrad. Yeah. It is the driving force, or one of the biggest driving forces, next only to oregano, <laughs> of the galactic economy, right? Basically, you can very broadly boil down a great house like Atreides or like Harkonnen or like Carino, you can boil down their power and influence to the number of shares they have in Chome. You know, we talk about Chome is like the stock market of the Imperium. Exactly. And Chome is this huge commercial operation in the galaxy that has its hand in the buying and selling of almost everything in the Imperium. Right. But, and you probably have guessed this by now, the spice melange is their most lucrative trade. Right. Jumping back to our favorite economic advisor, Duke Leto Atreides, <laughs> he has another great quote. Uh -huh. Few products escape the chome touch, the Duke said. Logs, donkeys, horses, cows, lumber, dung, huh? dung, sharks, <laughs> whale fur, the most prosaic and the most exotic. Even our poor pundi rice from Kaladin. Anything the guild will transport, the art forms of ECAS, the machines of Richie's and X, but all fades before melange. End quote. Yeah. And that tells you just how important economically <laughs> the spice is. Spice, to put it simply, is both wealth and power right. within this complicated political and commercial system of the empire. Can we just take a moment? Duke Leto's like, I'm going to list some things. 
Logs. First thing, logs. Second thing, donkeys. Donkeys. Before horses. <laughs> Which is rude. Yep, rude. And not fair to horses. Also, donkeys, horses, cows, I get that, sure. Lumber, kind of back to the logs, right? Kind of... <laughs> Repeating yourself a bit. A little yeah. bit, yeah. He's He was struggling during cows. He was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Back to wood, I guess. <laughs> then he goes dung. Dung? Which... Choma's out here selling poop. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, it's one of their, <laughs> it's one of their most popular products. Sure, it's like a fertilizer thing. And then sharks, sharks, and then sharks. <laughs> just full. Not even like we get to whale fur, which is a whole conversation to be had. Yeah, but just sharks. We've got a big shipment of sharks coming in. We got to do a chome episode. They are up to some shady shit. Question: Why did we order sharks again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love this so much. I love that little list. We we do have to do a chome episode. The real challenge will be keeping it interesting because otherwise it's just economics 101, you know. Right. Like later, we might be circling back to wood over and over. <laughs> Sharks. <laughs> oh, God. Well, one of the other guilds or one of the other kind of groups of people, they are the guild. One of the other groups of people who uses and relies heavily on the spice is... The Spacing Guild. Yeah. Ever heard of them? <laughs> We've talked about them as one of the most spice-dependent factions in the Imperium. Thousands of years ago, they realized they could train and or breed their ship navigators and steersmen to use spice, you know, activate those KK cells and the KK centers of their brains, to use their limited kind of prescience to fly those ships safely at faster-than-light speed. Right. So... They're not crashing into suns or each other, right? Right. This is huge. Massive. I mean, really, this very quickly gave the guild a near complete monopoly on basically any interplanetary, faster than light space travel. Yep. You had to go through them because, again, you really did run the risk of sending your huge shipment of sharks for some reason. <laughs> yes. Right into a sun. Dangerous. It's dangerous. They're valuable. They're soup. That's why we're shipping them <laughs> from planet to planet. Kaladin doesn't have enough sharks. In, in like giant aquariums, I assume, right? Like, or maybe I don't know. Anyway, we don't. We don't have to get into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you run the risk of your sharks. Yeah, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Yeah. Basically, Leo, what you're trying to get at is the empire itself is only possible because of the guild and the spice and the travel that it allows. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, how do you conduct commerce or communicate with anyone without being able to travel? Right. You can't run an empire if you can't travel from planet to planet. Right. How do you throw your giant presidential parade right. on Gamont if the guild won't take you? Good choice. Yeah. <laughs> Always throw the parade on Gamont. Oh, always. Pro tip. Oh, they have the best parades. The uh, Leave the kids at home, though. You got to leave the kids at home. Can't bring them to the yeah. parade. Yeah. Parade is a euphemism, folks. <laughs> For orgy. It's all about... <laughs> oh, the curtain comes down. The words are just said out loud. You know, it is one of those things. Travel and shipping and communication, all of these things, sure. But there are entire parts of the galaxy that humans were only able to populate because of the earlier guild trips. And just like actual countries on Earth, like not everywhere has every resource so then you have to import things in order to sustain and to live. You know, you think about planets like Rossic that just doesn't have 
a lot of, I don't know, natural resources and people are straight up eating poisonous roots and shit right. to survive. That sort of planet, if the guild were to not have spice, is screwed. I mean, they really are. Yeah. And that's true for a lot of places. Yeah, definitely. Okay, moving on from the Spacing Guild, let's talk about our next group that just loves indeed that Spice Baby. <laughs> that Spice Baby? <laughs> that Baby Spice? <laughs> that Baby Spice. The Benny Gesserit. Yeah. The OG Spice Girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So in addition to the usual wealth and power that comes with Spice, right. for the secretive Benny Gesserit sisterhood, Spice is also necessary for more practical reasons. Right. Paul actually says in Dune, quote, There are other poisons the Reverend Mothers can use for their tricks, but once they've used the spice liquor, the others no longer work. End quote. Right. We know that the Bene Gesserit have certain abilities, and particularly the Reverend Mothers have access to other memories, their history down the female genetic line. Right. All of these powers are tapped into with the help of Spice. And particularly for Reverend Mothers, they go through something called an agony, which unlocks that access to other memories, which unlocks many of their powers and abilities. That agony is induced with Spice. Right, right. And in fact, Spice is the most effective and reliable way to induce the agony. So without Spice, it's much tougher for Benny Gesserits to graduate to undergo the agony and become reverend mothers. It really throws a wrench in a lot of the Bene Gesserit plans and trainings. Spice is so critical to what they're doing out here in the galaxy. Yeah. I mean, you think about how many literal decades of training necessary to prepare a Bene Gesserit for that agony. Yeah. If that agony suddenly has a 20% chance of straight up killing them, <laughs> that's an unacceptable margin. Right. You know, And we don't really get any of these solid numbers in the book. We really just get this hinted at. But still, the idea of something that is reliable, yeah, worth its weight in, well, I guess, spice. Right. You <laughs> <laughs> buy a house in Tapil for that sort of reliability. Totally. Exactly. And to be clear, we're not saying that all of their abilities are spice dependent. Much of it is that decades of training, Prana Bindu, their incredible abilities of observation. A lot of that is simply training. Right, right. But that ultimate graduation to Reverend Mother, that unlocking the other memories and go undergoing the agony, that requires some sort of catalyst. And Spice is just the most effective catalyst. Right. Historically, they have had other methods to achieve that. They've been able to undergo the agony. But like you said, Leo, the margins haven't been great. Right. So the Bene Gesserit rely very much on access to Spice to continue basically minting new Reverend Mothers. Right. A level that makes them incredibly powerful and dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Super Saiyan 2 Benny Chesra. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That next power level. They got to go beyond plus ultra. <laughs> yeah. Next up, we have the Benny Tleilax. Gross. Gross. Ugh. <laughs> They're the worst. They actually are the group that come closest to kind of manufacturing artificial spice or, or creating viable substitutes. But we can't really say much about them because <laughs> they do, literally do not show up in the first book at all. And they pretty much only show up around plot stuff for the remainder of Frank's books. So right, right. we're just not going to say much about them. Suffice it to say, 
spice plays a super significant role in their disgusting <laughs> biological experiments. <laughs> they are desperate to control it. I mean, they really, they want to break the sort of monopoly that Arrakis and the Spacing Guild seem to have over it. Right. And uh, yeah, spice, as everything we've said about it, is almost analogous with power and influence. And the Benny Tleilaks want power and influence unlimited. Yes. So it's on their to-do list. Right. Make spice or get control of spice. Right. Control of spice is their ticket to power, is their golden ticket. Right. Moving on from the Benny Tleilaks, because they're so gross. Thank goodness. Can't spend too much time on them. The Fremen of Arrakis. Yeah. Obviously, everything sandworm and spice related is deeply, deeply ingrained in Fremen culture. Right. They literally worship Shai Halud, their name for the sandworm. To them, the sandworm represents a deity in their culture. So everything around the worm, everything around spice, everything around the desert in Arrakis, very deeply connected to Fremen culture. Right. In fact, most of their meals and their clothing contain some levels of spice. Yeah. And is manufactured with spice. Yeah. It's just simply an unavoidable fact of life for the Fremen in the deep desert. In addition to that, for hundreds of years, the spice has also been their primary bargaining chip in secret deals with the smugglers and the spacing guild, all to ensure that their hidden sieges and those deep desert strongholds remain a secret. Right. They don't want anyone finding out what they're doing here in the deep desert, and so they use the spice as bribes against both the guild and the smugglers. Right. You, you stay quiet. We provide you with the most valuable substance in the galaxy. Yeah. They prefer a life of secrecy. They don't like outsiders getting involved in their business. So, easy. You all want this stuff that we're literally walking on and building into our clothes? Yeah. Great. Great. We'll give you some. You leave us alone. Yep. Exactly. Well put. Also, they've clearly been influenced by the Missionaria Protectiva, which is a Bene Gesserit initiative that planted myths on Arrakis many, many generations ago. Right. And they, too, undergo the spice agony in a ceremony with the Water of Life to graduate their Saedinas into full-on reverend mothers for their sieges. Right. Undergoing a very similar ceremony that results in very similar powers to reverend mothers. It's true. And Spice, of course, is central to that ceremony as well. Indeed. Okay, and the final group we have is the Ixians. Hey, the Ixians. The heavily techno-focused Ixians are actually one of the few factions that don't really have a direct dependent on spice. You know, they are one of the few groups in the Empire still seeking to solve issues with new technology, right? They and the Benny Toilaks are inventing things all the time. The Ix, more than the Benny Toilaks, are <laughs> more like towing the line of what is allowed, you know, in this post-computer world. They're like, mm, but like a Keurig isn't really a computer <laughs> and... Everyone else in the galaxy goes, okay, but we're fucking watching you, Ix. Come on. Yeah. So they are one of the few groups that are kind of actively looking for an alternative to this one planet substance, right? Kind of reminds me of Silicon Valley and the big tech companies investing in green energy. This idea of, okay, everyone's beholden to oil and oil prices. What if we're not? (laughs) What's the alternative? And... What can we do with technology to get away from that? 
Right. But that having been said, while they might not be directly dependent on the spice, right. it is unavoidable in this galaxy, and particularly in this empire, to function without at least indirectly being affected by spice. Right. The Ixians live on the planet X, and this fringe world operates because, once again, of the guild. Yeah. Which operates, once again, because of the navigators consuming spice. The only reason the Ixians are able to trade and sell their technology all throughout the galaxy is access to travel. Totally, yeah. Is access to interstellar ships and trading routes. And all of that is possible only because of the guild's ability to use spice. So you might not be directly affected by it, but it all trickles back down to spice, enabling that trade, right? enabling them to sell and experiment with their new technologies. I mean, the other thing is, whether or not they like it, they live in a galaxy that has scars from the Butlerian Jihad. Right. So even if, you know, they're next to Comos, or no, they are Comos, Rachis, they and Rachis, right? Ix and Rachis are both pretty habitable planets. So they probably could grow enough food and they could probably do quite a bit on their own. But even if they weren't messing with other people, if other people got the sense that they were creating, you know, artificial intelligence or machines that think like man, they would be attacked by, you know, forces of people who could use spice to get there. So it is, you're absolutely right. They're wrapped into the texture of this galaxy, which runs on spice. The texture of this galaxy is coarse. It's harsh. (laughs) Like sand. (laughs) I don't like it. It gets gets everywhere. everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I had to make that joke. I love that Spice Girls reference. (laughs) The other thought that I had about the X, Planet X, is they're not ever really described as being poor or like having a hard time of it. Yeah. I get the sense that they're generally pretty well compensated for their inventions, their various Keurig models. Yeah, the Silicon Valley comparison is apt, I think. Exactly. Yeah. So you think about who can afford that sweet, sweet spice diet, who then could benefit from two to four times the lifespan. Are you kidding me? Inventors, people who want to tinker and play and create new, you know, this is great. I'm sure plenty of them get into that kind of realm of addiction. Yeah. Probably intentionally. Right. Yeah. Instead of blood boys, it's spice boys, you know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that basically brings us to the end. That's spice. Yeah. Yeah. That's the spice melange and everything you need to know about it, folks. Yeah. How it's produced, what effect it has on your body, and the incredible role it plays in galactic politics, in the economy, and for all of the factions that we meet in the story. Yeah. It is so central to literally everything. Yeah. And, you know, we cut a few corners to dodge spoilers, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. But you know what you need to, to uh, to smoke as, uh, I mean, uh, eat as much spice as you feel <laughs> personally comfortable <laughs> as an informed consumer. Right. You know the terms and conditions of spice. Exactly. And look, you got to bring your ID card. You must be at least 21 <laughs> years old yeah. to buy from our spice dispensary. Okay. We have to enforce those. It's the law. Right. And don't, I swear to God, if we catch you going to that fucking pirate's place. Don't go to that pirate in Bushwick. He's upscale. He's charging you so much. <laughs> Let's end this episode on a question. Yes. <laughs> we could talk about that pirate for years. I mean, really. we For years. 
bad, it's bad blood between us and <laughs> Let's end this uh, episode on a question, a couple of questions. Abu. Yes. For you, mm-hmm. is the trade-off of extended life and that space-time awareness worth it for you in exchange for that sort of lifelong addiction? What do you think? Wow. That's a great question. And I think anyone who has been listening to a single word I've been saying all episode <laughs> yeah. already knows my answer. Yes, yeah. it's totally worth it. Yeah. Not only do I get extended life, I get extended health. My immune system is super powerful. Super Saiyan 2, baby. <laughs> I'm immune to poisons. I don't have to worry about somebody poisoning me like my co-host. Yeah. Uh, what? No, I, w- and- I would never. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on to you. And <laughs> I get to experience time space awareness that I've never have been able to before. Maybe I unlock some latent prescient abilities. I am so curious. Of course I want to tap into that. I want to know. It might be awful. I might see visions that I don't want to see. Yeah. But boy, curiosity killed the cat and it also killed a boo, man. I would <laughs> absolutely love to experience that. So to me, the trade-offs are totally worth it. Mm. And I'd be all for it. Now, what about you, Leo? Are you all for the spice? Listen, I mean, yes, 100%. (laughs) Part of this is assuming, you know, as part of this hypothetical, that I'm even in the tax bracket who can afford spice. Fair, fair. (laughs) You know, we're talking 120,000 credits a day worth of spice. Hmm. Mm. Uh, Heavily debatable that I'm... Do they take Bitcoin? (laughs) Do you take Ethereum? Now, (laughs) if I had a more or less stable supply of spice, yeah, the perks sound totally great. And, you know, I feel like as Americans, we're already basically addicted to like simple carbs and sugar, you know? Right. Which is a lifelong addiction and also just terrible and has no, (laughs) no benefits. Yeah. So I'm addicted to Coke. Yeah. Literal cocaine. Coca-Cola. Oh. No, uh, uh, awkward. It's like a bold time for you to announce that. It's, it's really it's brave. It's very brave, my friend. <laughs> but yeah, no, as I was thinking about this answer, I really was thinking about like caffeine addiction. Yeah, yeah. Or I was thinking about, yeah, sugar and how there are a number of health organizations who are saying this is an epidemic. Sugar in the States is an epidemic that's killing a lot of people through obesity and all this other stuff. Right. And yet, you can't get away from it. So, like a Fremen on Arrakis, it's sort of like, it's in everything. And the question is not whether or not you're addicted. The question is how you manage it. Um, Not to, like, bring the conversation way down, but that was where my brain went. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's a really, really smart connection to make. Sugar addictions, caffeine addictions, all too real. Yeah. Many of us already live with lifelong addictions that we're unaware of. So I, I say, yeah, <laughs> I've already got these other ones. Right. Let's go. Let's Let, go. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So follow up question to wrap up today's episode. Oh, sure. Yeah. Obviously, both of us are very into spice. Let's say we start introducing it into our diets. Right. Our lifespans are extended from two to four times. Yeah. Leo, what are you doing with all that extra time, with all that extra life? Oh, Bro, I've thought way too much about it. <laughs> like, just, is there so much that I want to do? My to-do list is so much longer than I can accomplish in a single <laughs> lifetime. I'm so on board with this whole kind of live forever thing. Yeah. You know, 
I want to learn dozens of instruments. I already play trombone and piano, but like, I want to learn so many more. Yeah. I, I want to learn a bunch of languages. I want to, you know, I'm American. Just a second language would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'd get back into drawing and painting, I'd travel everywhere. I want to see the whole, you know, in this case, maybe the galaxy, but. You, you'd do something with that art degree. Yeah. I, maybe. You know what? <laughs> maybe finally. And then when you say, how's it working out for you? I'd be like, really well, thanks. Really well, thanks, friend. And then... I tease out of love. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Keeps me humble. Uh, <laughs> you know, so that's 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 kind of where my mind goes. All of the things that I already want to do that I maybe don't because, you know, you think about taking a weekend trip. Yeah. We'll allow ourselves going to a new city for a few days. That could be months or years if you live twice as long or four times as long. So yeah, I just think about all the things I want to do now and do the same things. Uh, what about you? That is a beautiful answer that you gave. Oh, sure. Mine's a little less poignant. <laughs> all I wrote down in our script <laughs> as answer to this question, uh -huh. what would I do with two to four times more life? Yeah. All I I'm going to quote myself, actually. Okay. All I wrote down was, quote... <laughs> More Gamjabar episodes, baby. End quote. <laughs> Four Ys. Four Ys in the word baby. Yeah. Four Ys on baby. Yeah. Gamjabar all day, every day. No, this is actually a really interesting question that I've thought about a lot too. Right. It's like, what would humans do if our lifespans were extended, right? Like, what if a medical breakthrough happens in the next few decades? Right. And suddenly humans are living twice as long. Right. Yeah. Would we live twice as much life, you know, like as like quality life, or would we be just half as productive and waste twice as much more time? Twice as much TikToking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, would I just be on TikTok and Reddit twice as much? Because I know I have more time to waste now. Right. I don't know. I, I'm really intrigued by the idea of what a longer lifespan does to humans psychologically. Right. Because humans are so driven by death, right? Everything in our life has value because we know one day it will come to an end. Not to really bring this episode down, but <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's how that's how the human value system works. Our lives are a certain length. We have so much time, and we need to make the most of it. And I don't know the answer to this question. I mean, what would I do with more life? I guess just more of what I do now. Oh, sure. I don't know. Like, I have a feeling that part of me would also become lazier and be like, eh, I can do it tomorrow. Right. Because now I have two to four times as many tomorrows to put things off. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I would do very much the same thing as you, or at least I'd be motivated to, right? Yeah. I'd want to get back into hobbies that I've let go because I simply don't have enough time. I'd want to work less. I'd want to take more time off and longer vacations. And I'd want to pursue projects and ambitions that I simply don't because... We spend our lives researching and recording these fucking episodes. <laughs> yeah. There's just never enough time in the day. And I feel that pressure so much all the time. Right. Constantly I go to bed and I'm like, I had 14 more things to get done today. Simply not enough hours in the day. Right. Ah, how am I going to get it all done? I don't know how that mentality would change if I had a longer lifespan, but I like to think that I would enjoy it to the fullest, spend more time with loved ones, spend more time doing the things I love. And fill that life with more experiences. That's really beautiful. That's like a, it's really, it's a great point. And definitely, I think we can both agree, it is purely out of a fear of death. Right. That looming dark void at the end of life. Uh-huh. 
that has kept me from watching One Piece. <laughs> Every time I go to hit play on episode one, I go, there's how many episodes? Not Nine, more than a thousand? Nine hundred? Oh, it's more than a thousand now? Oh, my oh I don't know. Let me look this up. <laughs> I thought I thought it was somewhere in the 900s One at Piece the moment. Episodes. 991. We're getting there. <laughs> we are close. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm nearly dead. <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. No thanks. No thank you. I don't want to be on my deathbed on episode 825. Right, and not know how it ends. With friends going you have to hold on man it gets really good at 861 right right it's a really slow start to the anime but it gets good at 900 episodes it's worth it it's worth it at 900 episodes (laughs) well friends there is no real ending it's just the place where you stop the recording But this podcast is always one step beyond logic, so help spread the word of Muad'Dib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, he who controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the Golden Path. Eyes of the Ibad. You said that earlier. Right. What does it mean? Yeah. Quote. Whoops. Jesus fucking Christ. I'm getting way ahead of myself there. Were you about to quote our script? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quoting myself. As the author Abu wrote. <laughs> Quote. Jesus. Start talking in third person like a maniac. Leo likes that joke. <laughs> <laughs>